If I did a tenth, a tenth of what she did, I would be in jail today. Mm, yeah, funny thing about that. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Among many I'm so others. scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul. On AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your convenience. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Radio, Detour Talk, Radio Sputnik, and other fine affiliates blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Just trying to keep up with it all today. How are you, Desi Doyen? Are trying you, to keep up with it uh, that's all. What I was, are you doing any better than I am Certainly today? Certainly not. Um, I would say this is just this has been a volcano. Uh, just a, a volcano. Again, another one of your uh, uh, volcano desirees, <laughs> as we are calling it. Uh, two major stories to cover today, at least. One, getting a lot of attention, and the other one, which I would argue is ultimately much more important, ultimately, we'll see if if you agree with me, uh, that one is not getting the attention it deserves because of that first one. So let's start with the first one anyway. The uh, shortest-serving national security advisor in U.S. history, former three-star General Michael Flynn, one of the first of the generals to come aboard Team Trump during his campaign back in 2015, is in some trouble today. Uh, Michael Flynn, who served just 24 days in office as national security advisor to Donald Trump before resigning in shame and disgrace, was a hero to Republicans in July of 2016. The former general and head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, until he was fired by the Obama administration. He was a hero after he joined the uh, Team Trump during the campaign uh, and gave uh, gave this barn burner and uh, now, I guess, very ironic speech at the Republican National Convention on July 18, 2016. We do not need a reckless president who believes she is above the law. Lock her up. That's right. Get, that's right. Lock her up. She put our nation's security at extremely high risk with her careless 
use of a private email server. If I did a tenth, a tenth of what she did, I would be in jail today. Oh, it's also ironic today, isn't it? That it was uh, Michael Flynn at the Republican National Convention in July of 2016. Uh, greatly shortened down, by the way, because he went on and on for, uh, for a couple minutes. minutes there, yeah, yeah, at least uh, with the locker up chance, with everything else, talking about all the things that Hillary Clinton uh, did wrong that he would be thrown in jail for. Uh, well, as you may have heard, President Trump's former national security advisor, Michael T. Flynn, pleaded guilty on Friday to lying to the FBI about conversations with the Russian ambassador last December, becoming the first senior White House official to pledge cooperation in special counsel's wide-ranging inquiry of election meddling. Um, he has flipped, and uh, he has uh, made this plea today, uh, basically so that he can get on the record as, uh, as a witness in this case, and now he will be cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into all of this, wherever it may go. Flynn's pre-inauguration discussions with Sergei Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, about foreign policy were part of a coordinated effort by aides running Trump's transition into the White House, according to documents released as part of Flynn's uh, uh, plea agreement on Friday. In at least one instance, federal prosecutors say that Flynn was directed by a very senior member. That's all they describe this person as in the documents, a very senior member of Trump's presidential transition team. Well, late on Friday, a number of news outlets now are uh, including a CNN and NBC and AP and others are reporting that that very senior member is the president's own son-in-law and top advisor, Jared Kushner. He could end up being in far more trouble here than Flynn, depending on the way this thing goes. Uh, court documents do not name the official in this case or disclose what Donald Trump knew about Flynn's discussions with uh, the Russian ambassador. The transition team was led by Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, so he could be one of these very senior members they're talking about in these documents. Uh, other uh, top members included, of course, Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. Reince Priebus, Trump's first chief of staff, and KT McFarland, who was uh, Michael Flynn's deputy and is now the ambassador to Singapore. They sent her away. Well, they're trying to very I don't, quickly. I don't, I don't think she's been approved quite yet uh, by the Senate. I'm not sure really? on that. I'll check on that. But yeah, KT McFarland. But they got her Kushner. out of the White House. Yes. very quickly uh, after they after they uh, after the inauguration. I think it was just a couple of weeks. The documents made clear that Trump's senior advisors were engaged in a coordinated effort to create foreign policy before they were in power, according to The New York Times, undermining the existing policy of Barack Obama and ignoring a warning from a senior Obama administration official to stop meddling in foreign affairs until after the inauguration. Nonetheless, according to these documents, uh, and I'll, I'll just read directly from them, this is uh, called the Statement of the Offense, and apparently he was not, uh, this is not a statement of indictment, this is a statement of information, and I'm not sure entirely what the difference is, as far as I can tell from all that I've been reading today, it basically has to do with being less embarrassing 
for um, for Michael Flynn, who the prosecutors are now counting on to cooperate. All right. Uh, from the statement of the offense, which Flynn has pled guilty to, uh, these do not con- constitute all of the facts known to the parties concerning the charged offense. So here they're saying they have a lot more information on this. But uh, the defendant, Michael T. Flynn, who served as a surrogate and national security advisor for the presidential campaign of Donald Trump, as a senior member of President-elect Trump's transition team and as the national security advisor to President Trump, made materially false statements and omissions during an interview with the Federal Bureau of Investigation on January 24, 2017. So this was just four days after the After the inauguration, he was already being interviewed by the FBI at that time. At the time of the interview, the FBI had an open investigation into the government of Russia's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election, including the nature of any links between individuals associated with the campaign and Russia and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia. Flynn's false statements and omissions impeded and otherwise had a material impact on the FBI's ongoing investigation. So the false statements that they list here, and essentially it is uh, in three sections, First, the false statement regarding Flynn's request to the Russian ambassador that Russia refrain from escalating the situation in response to U.S. sanctions against Russia. During the interview, the uh, the FBI says uh, Flynn falsely stated that he did not ask Russia's ambassador to the U.S. to refrain from escalating the situation in response to sanctions that the U.S. had imposed against Russia. Flynn also falsely stated that he did not remember a follow-up conversation in which the Russian ambassador stated that Russia had chosen, in fact, in response to what Flynn told him, to moderate its response to those sanctions as a result of, uh, of Flynn's request. In truth, however, Flynn then and there knew that he was lying about this, and it details how... Um, uh, uh, President Obama had signed an executive order to uh, take effect. This was in late December, December 28 of 2016. Um, it was uh, this executive order was going to take effect the next day. Mind you, this was what, 20 something, 22 days, 23 days before the inauguration. Obama was putting this executive order in place uh, with sanctions against Russia in response to uh, what they say was Russia's intended uh, intention to interfere with the 2016 election. Yeah, and remember when Russia had the muted response, everybody was like, wait, what? What's going on? Because normally, as has been the, the tradition yes. for the uh, last, I don't know how many decades, uh, you know, at least since the Cold War, when we sanction Russia or vice versa, Uh, Russia sanctions back. So if we expel uh, five top diplomats, they will expel five top diplomats. Exactly. A very tit for tat. So that was the first clue that something was weird. Because uh, Vladimir Putin said, well, we're not going to take any action at all in response to Obama's sanctions. So uh, so the sanctions were going to happen on uh, December 28 and then December 28. Russia's ambassador contacted Flynn about this, and on the 29th, Flynn called a senior official of the presidential transition team. Associated Press is now reporting that that is, in fact, KT McFarland. 
Um, whether they're right or wrong, we don't know. Just trying to spell out the facts here. Uh, this uh, senior official of the presidential transition team was with other senior members of the transition team at the Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida at the time. Um, and Flynn had called to ask what he should do about it. And immediately after his call with that transition official, Flynn called the Russian ambassador, requested that Russia not escalate the situation. And then on December 30, in fact, uh, Putin released a statement indicating that Russia would not take retaliatory measures in response. The following day, the Russian ambassador called Flynn, informed him that Russia had chosen not to retaliate in response to Flynn's request. Michael Flynn lied about all of that to the FBI. Apparently, he told them he he didn't uh, talk at all with them about sanctions. And then that he didn't remember. And then is that what did he say that he eventually didn't remember that? Yeah, right. right. But uh, they charge and he has admitted to the fact that, yeah, he did remember. He did know he did talk about these things now in and of itself. As far as I can tell, talking about uh, those sanctions um, asking them not to retaliate, that there's nothing illegal there about that. What's illegal here is that he lied to federal investigators. So there's some irony here. Here, Had he just told the truth why he didn't, that we still don't know. But uh, had he just told the truth, and this is basically the day that he resigned, that Michael Flynn was forced to resign in uh, February of 2016. 2017. Was, I'm sorry, 2017, yeah. This was the point I made. That no matter how you feel about what Russia did or didn't do in this uh, in in the uh, in the campaign during the election and so forth, whether you're a supporter of Donald Trump's or not, doesn't really matter here. You can't lie to federal officials. You can't lie to the FBI when you're being investigated, when they're asking you questions. That is against the law. That is against the rule of law. And Michael Flynn broke it and he is admitting as much. The uh, second false statements here regard uh, Flynn's request that foreign officials vote against or delay a U.N. Security Council resolution. And this is interesting because uh, I don't believe anybody had been uh, talking about this uh, prior to this uh, admission of guilt by Flynn today. But. Um, during the uh, January 24 interview, the FBI or the special counsel says that Flynn made additional false statements about calls that he made to Russia and several other countries regarding a resolution submitted by Egypt to the U.N. Security Council in December of the uh, previous year, 2016. Specifically, uh, Flynn falsely stated that he only asked the country's positions Uh, On the vote, he just asked them how they were going to vote and that he did not request that any of the countries take any particular action on the resolution. But that was false. Apparently, he had asked those people and specifically had asked uh, Russia to try to block uh, this measure that was basically condemning Israel for uh, for settlements uh, that that they were uh, putting forward at the time, and this would uh, condemn them for building these settlements. And uh, in a move that the U.S., the U.S. had always voted against these sort of resolutions in the U.N. In this case, they were in favor of this. The this, Obama administration the Obama was administration in favor of this. In, f- in favor of this moving forward. And um, while they didn't vote for it, they abstained. 
And that in and of itself, they didn't stop it from moving forward. They didn't veto it in the National Security Council. They allowed it to move forward. That was unusual. And um, a very, as it's described, quote, a very senior, a very senior member is how they describe it in these charging documents of the presidential transition team directed Flynn to contact officials from foreign governments, including Russia, to learn where they stood and to uh, try to influence those governments to delay the vote or defeat the resolution entirely. And uh, he did that. He lied about it. And again, more irony here, uh, when he heard back from the Russian ambassador, the ambassador told him that Russia would not vote against that resolution. So it was not successful. He did not get what Michael Flynn did not get what he wanted there. That very senior member of the presidential transition team did not get what he wanted there. And that very senior member is being reported today as Jared Kushner. The president's son-in-law. But in any event, uh, again, Michael Flynn said none of this happened. He lied about it. He said it didn't happen. And lying is against law, lying to federal officials, lying to the FBI. He also lied about his uh, uh, on his uh, foreign agent registration uh, form uh, concerning his uh, the, the money and involvement that he had received from Turkey. And so that was the uh, third set of false statements here that uh, he signed, that Michael Flynn signed on Friday, saying, I am, in fact, guilty of the crime charged. It's just a single count. Now, in a statement issued after he entered his plea in the uh, in a federal courthouse in Washington, Flynn denied, quote, false accusations of treason. So he didn't commit treason, he says, but said that he had agreed to cooperate with federal prosecutors who are examining whether Trump's campaign colluded with Russians, as New York Times describes it, during the election and whether the president or his aides sought to cover up those efforts. Flynn said, I recognize that the actions I acknowledged in court today were wrong and through my faith in God, I am working to set things straight. My guilty plea and agreement to cooperate with the special counsel office reflects a decision I made in the best interest of my family and of our country. I accept full responsibility for my actions. In fact, this is costing him a lot of money to try to defend himself. He's trying to protect his son, who is was also involved in all of this. Michael Flynn Jr. During the court hearing, prosecutors focused on Flynn's activities during the transition when he discussed with Kislyak the, uh, the sanctions, and then later talked with Russia and other countries about that U.N. resolution on Israel. Prosecutors did not disclose at the hearing any new details about Russia's interference in the 2016 president, presidential election uh, or where, whether any of Trump's associates were involved, something that the White House has uh, clung, clung to. Is that a word? Yes. Clinged to? Whatever. Uh, in this case, uh, to try to downplay uh, any concerns that they might have. But in fact, Flynn is now the fourth person connected to the Trump campaign to be charged as part of Mueller's investigation uh, into potential possible collusion between the Russian government and members of Trump's team, as well as into potential obstruction of justice 
and financial crimes and much more. And the obstruction of justice uh, is all tied uh, to potentially, allegedly, is all tied to Michael Flynn here because the day after Michael Flynn was forced to resign, uh, about 11 days after the then acting attorney general, Sally Yates, had come to the White House and said, hey, look, we have tapes, we have recordings, we have intercepts of Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador. And again, while there was nothing particularly illegal about what they were discussing, he lied to the FBI about what he said in those conversations, and that makes him open to compromise which is why Yates warned the White Which House. Which is why they warned. Right. Open to compromise from a foreign government. That's not good. Again, no matter how you feel about uh, any of this and uh, Russia and Trump, to have the national security advisor open to compromise, open to blackmail from a foreign government is insane. And so Sally Yates came to the White House, told him about it, and the White House took no action at all for, I think it was, 11 days before he was finally pushed out. So uh, he's now the fourth official to be charged here, uh, along with Trump's former campaign chair, Paul Manafort, his deputy, Rick Gates. They were both indicted last month. They pled not guilty. Former uh, uh, campaign foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos has pleaded guilty for making false statements. He is said to be cooperating as well with the special counsel's office. And Flynn's plea agreement, uh, according to CNN, stipulates that he will cooperate with federal, state or even local investigators in any way that Mueller's office might need, according to documents filed on Friday. He could also be required to participate in covert law enforcement operations such as wearing a wire well that seems unlikely now well at this point I, <laughs> yeah, everybody talked knows, about, yeah. so. uh, but uh, he would have to do that if asked or share details of his past dealings with the uh, trump transition and the administration the agreement adds that Mueller's office will not prosecute flynn for additional crimes uh, that they outlined uh, that they outlined in the statement of offense on Friday, such as his misreported foreign lobbying filings about his work with uh, with Turkey, the fact that he was being paid by a foreign government to lobby on their behalf while, while he, he was, was in NSA. the White House. Yes, <laughs> while he was the National Security Advisor. <laughs> So he's kind of getting away. He's getting a good deal, yeah. seems to me. And there's a reason there must be. I have to presume a reason they are willing to give him this good deal. They are moving up the food chain here. Um, the uh, White House, of course, has been trying to downplay all of this. Uh, off record, before they gave their official statement, uh, White House uh, CNN reports that White House allies initially tried to put a positive spin on the news. One person familiar with the mood in the West Wing insisted the top White House officials were breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah. You don't, I'm sure you don't buy it? The, no. the source, who is uh, unnamed to CNN, so they weren't too proud of uh, putting this out, but they put it out here. Anyway, people in the building are very happy. This does not lead back to Trump in any way, shape, or form, according to the source. <laughs> this is a further indication that there's nothing there, the source said. This is a win for the White House. I think we call but, that... But they wouldn't put their name on no, that statement. Yeah, No. We call I, that... Whistling past the graveyard. Ah, uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah, we D don't just know. Just the but... facts. Just the facts here. 
A source with the knowledge of the legal team's thinking had told CNN that the Flynn plea, quote, is not going to be a problem for the president, though it could be a problem for people who worked with Flynn. Uh, Or, as people are reporting later today, um, people who work with the president, like his son-in-law. The source said legal exposure for others would depend on what they might have said to the special counsel. And that brings us back to Jared Kushner, who has been interviewed by the special counsel. What did he say to the special counsel? Did he tell them the truth? Or, like um, uh, uh, Michael Flynn, did he not? Did he lie? Which makes him open to charges here. Now, uh, by the way, uh, one point I wanted to hit on uh, on those on those uh, the the charges, the false statements that he gave uh, concerning Israel and that U.N. case, that was a case where he was trying to affect to interfere, to interfere to with, with with U.S. foreign policy, which would be a violation of the Logan Act which is a law from 1799 that has never been prosecuted. It has been bandied about for this and that, but uh, it has never been prosecuted. It has never been tested by the Supreme Court. It's probably unconstitutional. So it's unclear they would be able to get him on that, even if they did want to bring charges forward. Even if they forward. tried Yeah, so, uh, you know, other than lying to federal officials, that seems to be the only unlawful activity of Michael Flynn that they are citing at this time, and it's that is eh, public kind of weak. Seventeen ninety nine. Um, so, so you know, had he just told the truth about this stuff, he would have been fine, I think. So why didn't he? Why why did he lie about this? What is the concern? What are they trying to um, cover up? Yeah, who knows? I mean, this is going to take a long time. Mueller's investigation. No, no, it's going to be over by the end of the year. (laughs) Donald Trump said it's going to be wrapped up by the end of the year. We'll see what happens if Mueller is allowed to continue with his investigation. It has a very long way to go. Uh, After hours of radio silence, the White House finally did come out on record and issued a statement, again, downplaying Flynn's role in the White House at all, calling him, quote, a former Obama uh, administration official. Here's the statement from Ty Cobb. Yes, the White House lawyer is named Ty Cobb. He said, today, Michael Flynn, a former national security advisor at the White House for 25 days during the Trump administration. He wasn't there long at all. We hardly knew the guy uh, for 25 days and a former Obama administration official. You know, <laughs> trying to smear some Obama in yeah, there while he can. This is Obama's guy. Even though Obama fired him. He entered a guilty plea to a single count of making false statements to the FBI. The false statements involved uh, mirror the false statements to White House officials, which resulted in his resignation in February of this year. So, in other words, they already knew about this. That's why we fired him. Nothing about, It took us 11 days, and we had to be told through intercepts about it, and uh, we did nothing for 11 days as the National Security Advisor was open to blackmail and compromise. That's not in the statement. That's just me reading that part of it. Uh, uh, Nothing about uh, the back to Ty Cobb. Nothing about the guilty plea or the charge implicates anyone other than Mr. Flynn. The conclusion of this phase of the special counsel's work demonstrates again that the special counsel is moving with all deliberate speed and clears the way for a prompt and reasonable conclusion. 
the most positive reading of uh, today's events that you could possibly come up with. Indeed. Uh, good for them. <laughs> uh, the, uh, however, experts see it somewhat differently. I know we got to get to, I uh, got to finish up here. Uh, Robert Litt, who uh, until the inaugural, until January 21, was the senior lawyer for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence under Obama, said that Flynn's admissions flow from the role that Mueller needs him to play, the role of witness. In other words, the purpose of Mueller's actions against Flynn are to hunt bigger Trump administration targets. Evelyn Farkas, a Pentagon official during the Obama administration overseeing Russia policy at the time, said that Flynn's charging prompts immediate questions about Jared Kushner's legal jeopardy. She seems to disagree with Ty Cobb, uh, as well as his policy exposure between Israel and Russia. Uh, she told the Daily Beast, did Kushner speak truthfully when he was asked about this? And is there some potential indictment coming down for Kushner on this front? Robert Litt said that Flynn's charging doesn't say anything one way or the other about Kushner's potential legal exposure. Flynn's lies in his FBI interview were disproved by intercepts of his conversations with Kislyak, the ambassador. But do such intercepts uh, also exist between Kislyak and Jared Kushner. Litt says nothing from the public record indicates as much that uh, Kushner may have communicated with Kislyak in an interceptable format. Uh, but when asked by the Daily Beast if there are, in fact, intercepts of Kushner's communications with Kislyak, remember, Litt was there up until January 20. When asked if there are, in fact, intercepts um, of Kushner uh, and Kislyak, Litt uh, said uh, he declined to answer that, I'll but, just note but he cautioned, he cautioned, uh, don't read too much into the fact that he didn't answer. Okay, I'll just note really quickly, remember there yep. was that episode where it was revealed that Kushner was attempting to set up a secret room where they could talk at the Russian embassy yep. without being observed or listened to. The White House uh, may be hoping to play all of this down naturally, but it is clearly having an effect. Uh, Donald Trump had been scheduled to invite reporters into an Oval Office uh, uh, press spray, as they call it on Friday, a photo op with the Libyan prime minister. That changed immediately after news broke that Michael Flynn had pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI and had agreed to cooperate with special counsel Robert Mueller's probe. According to the Guardian's Ben Jacobs, who was reporting as part of the White House press pool, who would have gone in here, uh, he said the uh, the pool gathered and walked onto the colonnade at 12.01 for the scheduled pool spray with the Libyan prime minister, where we held, waiting to be let in to the Oval Office. 12.04, we were taken back to the briefing room. 1208, White House spokesperson Lindsey Walters said, quote, there is no pool spray. They did not want to talk about this. They did not want to get questions. They did not want Donald Trump to be asked questions about this. So as bad as all of this, that's kind of what we know right now. There's a lot more speculation going on uh, uh, today. But as far as the facts, them's the facts. Uh, and and as bad as all of this may be for the Trump administration, uh, this news coming as it does as the GOP is trying to push through a generational change to the entire U.S. economy, the entire U.S. economic system in the U.S. Senate, 
Uh, ironically enough, it may be bad for the Trump administration, this news, but it serves as a fantastic distraction, it seems to me, from what they are trying to do to the country in the U.S. Senate, in the U.S. House, in the U.S. Congress that will affect every American for decades to come. That story's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Breaking rocks in the hot sun I fought the law and the law one I fought the law and the law one A lot of folks fighting the law A lot of folks in the Trump administration And uh, the law there at least seems to be winning Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com Here with the delightful Desi Doyen And uh, speaking of the hot sun uh, A Green News report Oh, Com- yes. Coming up, uh, coming up soon. <laughs> yes, there's that. And uh, and speaking of breaking rocks, I, I think I, I failed to mention Michael Flynn could still go to jail. We don't know uh, exactly what prosecutors are going to seek here. Uh, we know he's cooperating with them, but uh, he could still uh, still get jail time out of this. Um, I think lying to federal officials uh, could earn him as many as three years. In yeah, jail. but it seems unlikely he'll serve more than six months uh, from what I've been seeing really? from experts. Yes. Yeah. Well, if any. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, meantime, while all of that is going on, while everybody's paying attention to that. Uh, it, and by the time uh, many of our listeners here uh, to this broadcast uh, to hear this show, the huge GOP tax giveaway, huge generational tax giveaway to corporations and the rich is likely to be a done deal in the U.S. Senate. Uh, As our guest on the show yesterday, uh, David Dayen, uh, writes via email uh, today, Mitch McConnell announced uh, on Friday, quote, we have the votes to pass the tax bill. He notes that in the end, Tennessee Senator Bob Corker didn't have uh, any friends in the GOP Senate caucus who actually cared about deficits. Something that we've been telling you for years. Don't don't believe them. Don't when they when they use the word when they say they're conservative, don't believe them about being conservative. They are not. Otherwise, they would not allow this one and a half trillion dollar tax bill to go through. And explode the deficit that, that is, they claim to care about. That is not conservative. Don't believe them when they say that the uh, the Tea Party that 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 the T in Tea Party stood for taxed enough already. Remember that they're about to be taxed even more. These uh, b- people who lot a great deal of the actual voters for Donald Trump, and they don't even seem to care. Well, maybe they do. This tax bill is wildly unpopular. Uh, Or maybe they don't even know about it because they watch Fox News and uh, so they probably haven't heard how this is going to damage them. Uh, David tells me the infamous trigger that we discussed uh, with him on the previous show that that Corker had wanted to automatically kick in and reverse the tax cuts when it became clear that despite what the White House and fellow GOP uh, folks were claiming, 
that these tax cuts will pay for themselves, uh, the bill won't, in fact, pay for itself. It will cost. Uh, It will uh, cost at least $1 trillion to be added to the long-term national debt. Again, something that the Tea Party used to pretend to be against because they were told to be against it by, you know, Fox News, who's not telling them what's going on at all about any of this, about anything that we talk about on this show. Anyway, that trigger will not be added to the legislation uh, that would have kicked in to reverse the tax cuts if, in fact, uh, the, the tax cuts didn't pay for themselves. That will not be added now, it looks like, to this legislation. Um, He says, uh, Dan says, unless you're talking about the existing trigger from the law that will slash Medicare, Medicare and other spending that will automatically kick in. Um, Dan says they bought off Susan Collins by mirroring the House's uh, the U.S. House's property tax deduction and making a few empty promises about passing health care bills. The House and Senate bills are still wildly different, so there remains a chance that negotiations to merge the two bills could still fail. But as Dan explains, there's a path to either reconcile those differences um, now that uh, the trigger won't happen, now that they're going to keep that, that helps a lot and exposes the fact that the uh, so-called conservatives know that the bill won't pay for itself. That's why they were against the trigger. Why would they worry about a trigger that would raise taxes if they know the bill, you know, if they know the bill is going to pay for itself? That trigger would only kick in if it didn't do what these liars said it was going to do. And they know it's not going to. So uh, but they still have to merge those bills. So there's still a chance to oppose this thing. If you want to call your senator, call your House member at 202-224-3121. If you can get through to them, I understand uh, mailboxes, voice mailboxes are full. Lines are busy. It's hard to get through to them. Uh, But what may happen, as uh, Dan told us yesterday, is the House may just approve whatever it is that the Senate approves, as is, in order to get this passed. Dan says, we're pretty much done here. He thinks this is is going to sail through. He notes that the uh, bill remains god awful. It's a smash and grab for capital owners and aristocrats and people wealthy enough to find a tax lawyer willing to turn their income stream into a business. The gimmicks, he says, are so self-contradictory that nobody can actually explain them. The nonsense that the tax cuts will pay for themselves was obviously a cover story because, as we have now learned, Steve Mnuchin, the uh, chair of the Treasury Department, never actually bothered to do an analysis. He's been claiming for months that hundreds of bean counters were analyzing all of this and that he'd be able to show that the bill would pay for itself. But as it turns out, either they never did such an analysis or they did one and it didn't come out well, so they never released it. In any event, we learned late on Thursday now that the Treasury Department, that the inspector general there, is investigating Mnuchin's repeated claims that they were doing an analysis when it appears that they never did an analysis at all. So uh, one of the other observations here, uh, Dan says you could take the $1.5 trillion in cuts and extend the children's health insurance program for five years. But uh, so far, the children's health insurance program, or CHIP, which expired in October, has not yet been expanded. States have uh, have been spending 
whatever funds they have left over to try to keep it going as long as they can. But but they say they're likely to run out of funds by the end of the year. Congress has failed to renew the program that gives the health insurance to some nine million children who can't afford it. And Congress has not renewed it. They put everything else into this tax bill, stuff that in truth has nothing to do with taxes, but they could not find a place to fund a program for nine million sick and poor children. Dan notes once the smoke clears, we'll find out about all of the corporate earmarks that are embedded within this uh, this this measure. The cuts start in 2018, so people might not notice it until they have to go do their taxes in 2019. Uh, he told us yesterday that they might notice uh, based on how withholding on uh, on salaries works because their personal exemptions are going away. That is being traded with a, a higher standard deduction. So they, uh, depending on how this all works out, and really nobody knows, we're all, you know, voting on something here that nobody knows what's in it, but it could result in people noticing suddenly, immediately, as soon as this bill kicks in, that, oh, I'm getting a lot less on my uh, on my uh, taxes, um, on my uh, salary each yeah, week. Yeah, and those are only the immediate mm. hits that they're going to have. And I want to talk about that because we've talked uh, quite a bit about the sort of the basic horrors of this bill over the past weeks. The permanent huge tax cuts for corporations, the more than 80 million low and middle income Americans who, who make less than $75,000 a year. They're going to pay more in taxes due to this tax cut bill. In other words, the middle class gets to pay for the tax cut for the wealthy and corporations. But that's just the sort of the big ticket items. There's a lot of stuff in here that's a lot worse. Uh, we've talked about 13 million who will lose their health insurance because of this tax bill. 10% increase across the board in health care premiums for everyone. 25 billion that will almost immediately be cut to Medicaid, uh, to Medicare. And, of course, the one trillion at a minimum that's going to be added to the national debt. But it's all worse than that. I mean, it's it's the stuff here that you need to know about because it's damned hard to hear about anything th these days with all of this noise and all of this chaos. In many cases, purposely being perpetrated by the Trump administration, but. Um, just some of the things you need to know that are in this bill, uh, some measures uh, are barely connected to the realm of taxation at all, the T New York Times notes, such as the lifting of the 1954 ban on political activism by churches. This is the Johnson Amendment. They are doing away with this. That had ensured that in exchange for tax-exempt status for churches, uh, they had to stay out of politics. They could not advocate for uh, for candidates from the pulpit, uh, for example. In other words, by giving them the tax exemption, the public was not paying for churches to use their pulpit to promote specific candidates or specific political ideals. So the reason that that Johnson Amendment is there is so we don't fund other people's political activity. We're doing away with that. Exactly. There, if this thing gets signed by the president, as it's currently written, they're doing away with that. And that means the Koch brothers will probably become really big Christians and give a lot of money <laughs> yeah, to churches. Yeah, there you go. They'll, they'll find religion. Uh, also, it confirms new legal rights for fetuses in uh, in the House bill. What does that have to do with taxes? You tell me. Both of these were on wish lists for the uh, evangelicals on the right, of course. 
elements in both the House and Senate bills could constrain the ability of state and local governments to levy their own taxes. So uh, this is going to pressure states. This goes way beyond, way beyond well, just reaches, Washington, D.C. This reaches into every corner of American life. That's right. And it, But states and local uh, taxes, uh, they're going to be more, much more difficult to raise. Uh, this is going to limit spending on health care, education, public transportation, social services all over the country by states and localities. So, again, so much for state rights that Republicans tell you they care about. Many of these changes seem to be specifically geared toward democratically run states like California and New York and Connecticut, where they have higher than average state and local taxes, which will no longer be able to deduct them from your federal taxes. And if you don't think this is specifically and punitively aimed at states like California, please note, for instance, that the, um, the, the this is amazing. Uh, this uh, the bills would phase out the ability to deduct personal casualty losses from wildfires and earthquakes. And we're expected to have a lot more wildfires. Uh, who knows about the earthquakes? But uh, wildfires and earthquakes will no longer uh, be deductible from your federal taxes, which is a constant threat in vast parts of the state of California. Yep. However, the uh, the deduction for damage from hurricanes and floods, like those in Florida and Texas this year, those are going to stay in. Of course they are. So Fairness, again, hit priorities. by a wildfire or, a hurt or an earthquake, you can deduct uh, the cost from your taxes. You can't uh, anymore under this bill. Uh, but don't worry, uh, hurricanes and floods, you're all good. So this is going to have a uh, far-reaching effect. All of this is taking shape at an incredibly uh, quick speed without the regular analysis and the hearings that uh, used to happen on a bill of this size. But uh, as uh, the Times notes that as the sense has taken hold, that Washington is now a trading floor uh, where any deal is worth entertaining so long as it brings votes. Interest groups have fixed on the tax bill as a unique opportunity to further their agenda, and they are earmarking all kinds of stuff into this thing. Uh, econ uh, economists and tax experts are overwhelmingly skeptical that the bills in the House and Senate can generate any sort of meaningful job growth or economic expansion. Many view it as a uh, the legislation not as a product of genuine deliberation, but as a transfer of wealth to corporations and affluent individuals. Right. Well, everyone is distracted. They are picking your pockets and yep. they are picking your children's pockets. They are picking your grandchildren's so pockets. I don't mean to downplay all the stuff with Mueller and Flynn, uh, Flynn Friday, as, as many people were calling it. Uh, but that is going to move ahead. That's sort of an iterative moment uh, in that investigation. That's going to move ahead. This thing, however, by 2027, people making forty to $50,000 a year will pay a combined $5.3 billion more in taxes thanks to these tax cuts. Meanwhile, if, you, if you're lucky enough to earn more than a million dollars a year, you, that group, will get $5.8 billion in tax cuts. That's according to the Joint Committee on Taxation and the Congressional Budget Office. These are both independent bipartisan offices in Congress. 
Here's the bottom line here. If you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you're in retirement, if you're heading for retirement, if you are an American, (laughs) young people are going to be paying for the deficit that this is going to cause for decades, for the rest of their lives. The New York Times uh, says that this is uh, a reworking of basic principles that have prevailed in American life for generations. Yes, that's how bad this is. They say since the 1930s, when uh, FDR created Social Security, unemployment benefits and other pillars of the safety net to to combat the Great Depression, crises have been tempered by some measure of government support. Recent decades have brought cuts to social services, but the impact of the current bill could be especially consequential. And they go on to talk about how uh, you're no longer going to be able to deduct for uh, college expenses, for interest on uh, on loans, on student loans, the uh, the triggers that will cut Medicare and uh, and so forth. The proposal breaks from seven decades worth of federal efforts to broaden access to higher education. That's going to be over with this bill. So this is so much bigger, so much bigger than uh, the Republicans are pretending that it is. And make no mistake, those social safety net programs, those cuts, those are already coming. Many are guaranteed in the tax bill itself at this point. But beyond that, Republicans are already preparing for more. Here was Florida Senator Marco Rubio talking about exactly that on Tuesday. The driver of our debt is the structure of Social Security and Medicare for future beneficiaries. We still have time not just to save those programs, but responsibly structure them in a way that doesn't impact current retirees or people about to retire. So notice the wording there, the careful wording there that uh, people who are uh, about to retire, Republicans know that old people vote. So they don't want to enrage them by taking away any of their money from Social Security. They're going to take it away from future generations who have been paying into it all their lives. Right. Slightly younger folks, uh, they, they think, won't notice, won't show up to vote. As if all of that wasn't enough to saddle the next generations with. That is what they are doing. As if all of that is not bad enough for the coming generations. The Green News Report is <laughs> next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Well, Desi Doyen, have we sufficiently bunked the high of everyone who tuned in uh, feeling great? Oh, Michael Flynn, he's pleaded guilty. <laughs> uh, have we uh, sufficiently ruined everyone's day? Yes. That's what I we do. So. But in case we haven't sufficiently ruined your day, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. In case we have not sufficiently ruined your day, here is our latest Green News Report. In this part of America, there's still hope they'll get the shot they need to revive an industry they're not willing to give up on just yet. Trump's EPA holds climate hearings in coal country. Winter heat wave hits Greenland and breaks records in the U.S. West. New federal contracting scandal exposed in Puerto Rico's very slow recovery. Plus, 
Good news for breathers in Wisconsin and Missouri. Hey, I bet there's a lot of them. All of that good news and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It was wrong for the last administration to declare a war on coal. It was a real war, and the president said the war is over. Who won the war on coal? Was it Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) I know it wasn't you or me. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, winter may be setting in, but we are still seeing heat waves across the U.S. and across the world. Yes, indeed we are. A rare November heat wave hit icy Greenland this week, bringing rain in winter and boosting temperatures as much as 36 degrees Fahrenheit above normal. Mm. And in the western U.S., Denver hit 81 degrees, breaking its all-time November record that was set just last year. 81 degrees in Denver in November? Yeah, Not good. In West Virginia, the Trump administration's EPA held its only public hearing over its repeal of the Obama-era Clean Power Plan, which is intended to limit the carbon emissions from power plants that cause dangerous global warming. This will force many of these coal-fired power plants to close. Many more will close, which would destroy the jobs and the family livelihoods for thousands of coal mining families. That was coal baron Robert Murray of Murray Energy, the nation's largest coal mining company. The coal industry opposes the plan, even though industry analysts say coal's global decline is due to cheaper natural gas and renewables, not regulation. On the broadcast, environmental journalist Emily Atkin of the New Republic, who attended the hearing in West Virginia, noted that the Trump EPA's devotion to propping up the coal industry ignores the millions of Americans who suffer from coal's pollution. The communities that live near producing plants, which often are disproportionately low-income and minority communities, those aren't based in West Virginia, and I would argue that they're just as impacted by the clean power plan as a coal miner. And yet the EPA doesn't have any scheduled public hearings in any of those areas. No, they don't. That was uh, Emily Atkin responding to my question about why they decided to have this hearing in Charleston, West Virginia, and nowhere else. And And she said it was because Pruitt wanted to have these hearings uh, in a place where the clean power plan had the greatest impact, but... It impacts everyone all over the country. In Puerto Rico, the Associated Press has uncovered yet another contracting scandal in the botched federal emergency response to Hurricane Maria. AP reports that FEMA has canceled a $30 million contract that it awarded to a tiny one-month-old Florida company to provide emergency tarps and supplies. But it took four weeks for FEMA to discover that the company failed to deliver anything. More than two months after Hurricane Maria, more than a million Puerto Ricans are still without electricity or clean water. Meanwhile, Independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont has introduced a bill in the Senate to provide more than $140 billion in funding to repair Puerto Rico's and the U.S. Virgin Islands electric grids and crucial infrastructure. Good luck with that, Bernie. It's focused on sustainability, clean energy, and energy efficiency. But as you mentioned, passage seems unlikely with Senate Republicans focused on their $1.5 trillion tax cut bill for the wealthy and corporations. Priority. 
priorities. Senate Democrats don't have enough votes to stop a sneaky provision in the tax bill that opens up the pristine Alaska National Wildlife Refuge to oil drilling. Meanwhile, the Trump Interior Department this week quietly issued new drilling permits allowing foreign oil company Eni to drill just off of Alaska's coast starting as early as next month. But some good news for breathers. In Wisconsin, electric utility company We Energy announced it will permanently close its coal-fired power plant in Pleasant Prairie in 2018 and will move to cheaper, cleaner natural gas and solar. The company says the shift will lower prices for consumers and reduce its water use and air pollution. I don't get it. I thought the war on coal was over. And you'll like this one in Missouri, your home state and also the home state of the nation's two largest coal companies. St. Louis Electric Utility Amarin has announced it will build a massive wind farm by 2020. And utility company Empire in southern Missouri announced it will also build its own equally massive wind farm, but it's going even further, saying it's going to retire its non-competitive coal-fired power plant in 2019 more than 10 years ahead of schedule. Nice. Finally, something to be proud of out of Missouri for a change. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Meet me in St. Louis, Louis. Thank you very much, Uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. Uh, My great thanks as ever. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always great to have you here. Uh, Thank you. Uh, You can drop us email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters where we hope you will find us, follow us, and share us as well. I am simply the Brad Blog. And that's it. Oh, thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate for much needed help to support what we do. Bradblog.com slash donate. Waste no time in stopping by there, if you don't mind. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 